Welcome to episode 104 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. So, I will now run the random number generator. and a yellow warning light on the random number generator has turned on to indicate that the yellow warning light is on. That's not a useful warning light. The random number generator has also returned the coordinates of 16 hours, 2 minutes, 7.3 seconds right ascension, and plus 33 degrees, 26 minutes, 53 seconds declination. These coordinates point to an object in the constellation Corona Borealis named J16021 plus 3326. This is another one of those objects where the name is based on the coordinates of the object. The J at the beginning of the name stands for Julian and indicates that this is based on the coordinate system for what is called the Julian Epoch, which corresponds to the year 2000. This object is a very distant galaxy that contains an active galactic nucleus, or AGN. AGN seemed to have been coming up quite a lot in my podcast recently, and if you weren't paying attention to recent episodes, or if you can't recall the details, an AGN contains a supermassive black hole, millions or billions of times the mass of the sun, a disk of gas and dust falling into that black hole, and one or two jets of gas that appear above the poles of the black hole that originate from hot infalling gas that was deflected away from the black hole by the strong magnetic fields in the system. These jets, which can extend for thousands of light years from the centers of the AGN, produce a huge amount of electromagnetic radiation, but they are particularly bright in terms of radio emission. AGN that are very bright but very distant generally fall into one of a couple of categories based on their appearance. If the jets are pointed sideways, as seen from Earth, it's possible to see the full extent of the jets, and because the jets produce strong radio emission, the AGN would be referred to as a radio galaxy. If one of the jets is tilted towards the Earth, but not necessarily directly at the Earth, the object looks relatively compact, but it's still possible to see the jet extending outwards, although it looks kind of short, and the object is typically called a quasar. J16021 plus 3326, however, looks very point-like. This is often the situation where one of the jets is aimed directly at the Earth, which would make the AGN look abnormally bright. These types of AGN are called blazars. However, in the case of J16021 plus 3326 specifically, it was initially possible that it was a different type of AGN called a compact symmetric object where the jets from the AGN are plowing into really thick interstellar gas within the galaxy rather than flowing outwards. And since the galaxy is very far away, 
the radio emission would look very compact. One way to determine whether an AGN is a blazar or a compact symmetric object is to make an image of the radio emission. A blazar will typically have one very bright jet and will therefore look asymmetric, whereas a compact symmetric object will have two jets and look symmetric, as is also indicated by the name. However, the radio emission comes from a very small region on the sky that is difficult to image using most conventional telescopes. So, to properly identify what type of AGN that J160221 plus 3326 was, it was necessary to use a radio telescope called the Very Long Baseline Array, which consists of 10 radio antennas spread across the United States. One of the antennas is in New Hampshire, one is in Hawaii, and one is in the Virgin Islands. It's literally a telescope as large as the United States. For various reasons related to its size, it has problems seeing extended things, like most galaxies and nebulae, and it lacks the sensitivity to see faint radio sources, but it is excellent for imaging very small but very bright radio sources like blazars and compact symmetric objects. As an aside, I heard a joke as a PhD student that the very long baseline array can only observe 100 astronomical objects. That might be an accurate assessment. Anyway, a group led by S.E. Tremblay, where I think the S stands for Stephen, but I'm not absolutely certain, published a paper in 2010 describing the results from observing J160221 plus 3326 with the Very Long Baseline Array, and they found that the object is indeed asymmetric. These results, along with some additional data, clearly indicate that J160221 plus 3326 is indeed a blazar. While it might not be the best known example of a blazar, blazars are still relatively rare. The object's identification as a blazar is still useful for astronomers who want to perform surveys of these objects. Those astronomers now know that J160221 plus 3326 is indeed like other blazars. Additionally, those astronomers now know that this is not an example of a compact symmetric object, so they shouldn't group it together with real compact symmetric objects if they want to understand that class of AGN better. So that is why astronomers have spent time looking at J160221 plus 3326, and the location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the position of that object in the sky is yet another location in the Pacific Ocean, but this time it's not some relatively empty part of the Pacific, but instead a place just offshore from Los Angeles among the Channel Islands near San Nicolas Island. This island is not inhabited today, but it was the home of Native Americans for thousands of years before they were forcibly relocated to the California mainland in the 19th century. However, one woman held out on the island for 18 years, and her life would become the basis for the children's novel Island of the Blue Dolphins. The island was used as a Navy base during World War II, but was abandoned soon afterwards, although the Navy still owns the island. Access to the island is severely restricted, although conservation groups are busy at work trying to restore the local ecosystem. I would actually recommend visiting if that was actually easy to do. 
If you want to hear more podcast episodes that associate completely random topics like distant supermassive black holes and award-winning books for children, then you can go to the website for this podcast at www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can visit the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is Immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesounds Project at www.freesounds.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.